going on everybody 360 digital closing bell here i am your humble humble correspondent michael tanner joined for our week look back podcast episode number 39 gorgeous august 7th july 2020 finally got some cool air i've got the windows all open so we're not going to overheat on this show it's going to be great and, and, and we better not because we have a great show for you lined up as always i am joined by the executive producer of the show the purveyor of the show and the director and publisher of the world's greatest website oil and gas 360.com Stuart turley how you doing this morning I'm doing fantastic. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood, and good morning. Good morning. We have a hall pass to give out to people later this afternoon, so this is step one of a two-step hall pass process. Get yourself done by 2 p.m. Time stands about 7.08. A little late coming to you this morning. We like to usually bang these out a little bit. I honestly had a late morning, so I will take the blame for this one. But we seriously, guys, we have a great show lined up. We're going to whip around the oil patch. I mean, you want to talk about the stories that dropped this week. Holy smokes. We're going to talk all things earnings that happened, dive in specifically to some BP stuff and sort of how that lends some light into what me and Stu have been talking about. EOG Resources drops their earnings yesterday and we'll kind of cover a gap versus non-gap scenario um we'll take a look at what happened at the weekly petroleum says steelwood energy will hold their funeral um and we'll also talk uh variable dividends which was which was stuff so a lot of stuff to cover uh this week Stu will cover some stuff in the international news section always we'll check in with the levels for crude oil and we got to check in with natural gas wild week for natural gas 219 for natural gas Stu. that uh, we if if the fund was still open that would have been making us a cash cow by then. We were in, what, $1.76? So that's great, guys. Before we get going, I need to tell you about our friends at Adamantine Energy and what they're doing for the energy sector and, wh- and what they're doing for social risk, excuse me, for the energy sector. It's not just community opposition to all of these development projects you and your companies are working on. It's everything from the success, from the divest from fossil fuels movement, to all of this investor engagement around your ESG programs, to all of these individual states setting these wildly ambitious climate decarbonization agendas that honestly are super hard to keep track of social risk really seems like it's everywhere and it's honestly like multiplying like zombies that's really why you need a strategic partner and that's why you need to go go check out adam and t energy the leading consultancy helping oil and gas companies prepare for all this social risk they're led by tisha shield the former ceo of the colorado oil and gas association adam and t energy guides companies just like yours to explore your exposure to social risk you should also check them out www.energythinks.com this podcast is also brought to you by the world's greatest website oil and gas 360.com where you can check out everything oil and gas news guys you should check out follow them on linkedin twitter uh facebook you should subscribe or facebook twitter linkedin uh connect with me and Stuart on linkedin you should also subscribe to this podcast the 360 digital closing about itunes spotify youtube the best way to stay up to date on all of your energy market stuff Stu also runs the energy 360 podcast which is a little bit on hiatus right now because we're gearing up for the conference uh anything you can tease for that podcast that's upcoming uh, yeah, we just released one from uh, Inveris on open insights for um, uh, operators, and it's pretty amazing uh, on that. We actually have another one coming out Monday. Uh, you and I did that as well for one of the uh, presenters at uh, the conference. So uh, I believe it was Baytech that we did that as well. We did. So, no, we'll, we'll, have, some, we'll have some stuff dropping on the world's greatest website oil and gas 360.com don't worry um i think it's everything i I, i'm spending too much time on clerical work so we're trying to cut that down um 
when we, I mean, really, when we talk about the stories for this week, I mean, I mean, you want to talk about last week? You know, we we, we joked last week was the heaviest week for earnings. Now, I actually think it was this week. There was so many companies. I mean, you want to give it an idea of the company? Here's here's all we had this week, Stu. This is everything we had. A week started August 3rd. BP, Diamondback, Range, Williamson, uh, CDEV, Black Hills, Viper, Continental, Plains All-American, Enable Midstream, Pioneer Natural Resources, Devon, Sempra Energy, Spire, Laredo, Falcon, Marathon Oil, Murphy Oil. We covered them yesterday. Noble Corp, Parsley Energy. Guys, today or, uh, Atmos, Nine Service, Talos, Chenier, Simorex, Magnolia, PDC, Target. Today, these haven't even dropped yet. Noble, EOG, they actually dropped last night, but um, we, we, we got them this morning. Enterplus. Noble, holy smokes, guys! Duke, Goodrich, Occidental, wow! Hey, Michael, do you know why everybody drops uh, in the same week? Yeah, because they just well, they don't want everyone. It's, so it's hard to read. You got too much stuff to do, of course. Oh, I know why. Because it's guys like me that have to then. Oh, you all drop it on the same week. Now I have to dive through and listen to six different earnings calls at night just to figure out what's going on. No, no, no. I'm I'm very familiar with the game that gets played with earnings season. Um, and it makes sense, and that's why it kind of takes a while to dissect what's really happening. So, you know, when we look back on some, I, I guess some of the, the the big numbers. I mean, clearly, I think the biggest story that came out earnings first was 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 the BP stuff. I didn't want to start here, but we're going to. Um, as it, you know, BP probably took the biggest hit in terms of uh, you know one thing that w- that was coming was we knew write downs were coming from super majors they had you know exxon had teased that shell teased that bp had 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 already in quarter one slash um slashed a bunch of uh um, spending broke down a lot of uh assets but they were warning that their that their earnings statement was going to come out and be bad and it came out and was pretty pretty bad so basically what happened was they came out and took the first loss ever they cut their quarterly dividend from 10 cents to five cents which is over 50 percent decrease which is the first time they've ever decreased their dividend in over 20 years but this is the craziest part the london-based company said that it planned to in tenfold increase its low carbon investments to five billion by 2030 as it tries to deliver the promise like they've mentioned of net zero emissions by 2050 but get this okay so this is this is the, the, the this is the something that we've been chatting about Stu and i have mentioned esg investing is going to become the the hottest thing we just you know teaser for the oil and gas companies we just covered or we just recorded an interview or or a panel interview with probably some of the best esg minds from hitting all different sides and the one thing i left from that just producing it just having to sit in there and listen was that there's the the investor is looking for e s and g and they're all important but specifically bp in this one is going after the if you didn't think environmental was important to the average investor listen to this this is off the bp earnings call okay Stu, i want you to get this here you go Cutting produ- cutting their U.S. oil BP will cut its U.S. oil production 2.5 million barrels to 1.5 million barrels, over a million barrels a day. They're wow. moving 50% of its of its capex total to renewables by 2030, and expect to generate eight to 10% return on cash invested upon that capex. Cuts its dividend by 50%. Stock rallies seven and a half percent. If there's ever been a time when the E has been more important and the aver- and the investor from both the retail and the institutional, 
It's I mean that, if that doesn't show it to you, I don't know how it could be more clear that you have to take seriously the the the, the specific ESG, but specifically the E. Oh, absolutely. I want to ask you a question. Um, oil oil rigs offshore last a long time. Assets in oil and gas pipelines last a long time. Uh, there's going to be a trend in probably ten years. Uh, renewable renewables are lucky to last ten years. Going to be a huge difference. Well, yes, I think, and I think you know if 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 I had to take a guess, what BP plans to do, but when they say deliver net zero emissions by 2050, uh, I wouldn't. Ask, I, I'm kind of going out on a limb with this, but my guess is they're just going to turn it into the world's largest natural gas company. If they really actually plan on achieving this, you. I, I, I mean, by 2050, I mean, I plan on being, I, I, I will pledge right here alongside BP, I plan on having a six-pack by 2050. So put me on the books for that. It's, um, and, and all kidding aside, I wouldn't be too surprised if BP just became the world's largest natural gas company. Now, they've made no indication of that. They've, they're not saying that. And, I mean, think about it. Low Annual low-carbon investments, what do you think that means? We're building we're building clean natural gas facilities. We're gonna cut some of our shale down. I mean, I, at least that's that's what I would. That's my guess. There's this is Michael Tanner making opinion now. I, that would be my guess. That's that, how opinion. they achieve this. That's a good opinion. Now, if you're in natural gas, the number one thing that was discovered ten years ago was hydrogen going through the um, natural gas pipelines, and the turbines had just been released. Putting hydrogen through the pipelines of natural gas, that's beautiful. Yeah, and, you know, there were some other interesting numbers, I, you know, they, they, they mentioned in their earnings release. I mean, I, I don't buy this. Fossil, they expect fossil fuel demand to fall by 75% over the next 30 years. And we'll, we'll get this. If increase in global temperatures is limited to 1.5 degrees. So now we're getting lecture on global warming from BP. Oh, this is good. This is real good. Um, they laid out some other stuff. Um Real quick, yep. let me shut up after this. But last night, David Pring uh, said and had a great point. Look around your office, and 80% of the barrels being used are, are non-transport. And so if you take a look, you're still going to need oil. Oh, yeah, I... I should find this picture. I saw at one time, I saw a picture of... They had like a barrel of oil, a big blown up barrel of oil. And they sliced it up into the different segments of like how much goes to gasoline, how much goes to play. It's wild when you actually break down like how many different little parts, like quarter of a gallon goes to, you know, it was like only 19 gallons goes to gasoline that ends up going in your car. It's like 19 of the 42 gallons. There's like six gallons goes to jet fuel. Nine gallons goes to plastic. No, it's wild. And well, we're giving up plastics tomorrow. Like, I, I don't, I don't know if that's going to happen. So very interesting. But if, my takeaway from specifically BP when they come out and do this is, guys, the E has never been more important in the ESG from an investor standpoint, and it hasn't. I mean, I'm telling you, they're gonna. They, this is an oil company coming out and saying they're cutting production by a million barrels by 2030. They're shifting 50% of its capex to renewable energies and expect to generate eight to 10% return on cash investment on that. They cut their dividend, and then the stock rallies 7.5%. Guys, I don't know what else to take. 
it, that that's it. That's the answer. That's the answer to the test. We just gave you the answer to the test. So, um, the other thing that was really interesting, I think, that came out of earnings season one was, if you own natural gas and midstream infrastructure, you'll make money in any time frame. Williams comes out 12% increase year to year in revenue. Generates a free cash flow, turns a profit of about uh, $1.15 per share. What? Wild, Stu. Every, you know, I mean, you want to talk about, I mean, ex, you know, oil industry didn't necessarily have the best earnings season. It, went, it hasn't really had one in a hot minute. But holy smokes, natural gas, physical infrastructure, and midstream infrastructure. I, there's... It, it, it's been confirmed, Stu. Again, this is the answer to the test. We just these earnings are the answers to the test. Absolutely. When you when you consider pipelines are in the ground and paid for after a certain amount of time, you know, it's a great investment. Yeah, it's why not? I mean, exactly. So I thought that was really interesting. I thought the other thing that was really interesting was there's there's been some chatter. And so this so Pioneer you know, another, you know, two companies, Pioneer and Devon came out and in their earning call, and I thought this was really interesting, announced plans to consider what's called a variable dividend, which is a, basically a, a dividend that's paid out on, it's a variable dividend. It's almost like a non-GAAP dividend. Um, a stock, if, if you have a dividend, you pay it out every quarter. That's how dividends were. A variable dividend is something you pay on top of a dividend that is variable the company can choose whether or not they want to release one how much it is what it is per share and so that is something that other industries do especially the tech industry loves to do that because why not if you have a wildly successful product you want to encourage investors to invest in you so if you can not only offer a dividend a quarterly dividend which is cash payable for per shares you own in a stock so if you own 10 shares and the dividend's ten dollars it usually never is you would make a hundred dollars a quarter it's not usually like it's like five cents usually or at least that's what bp just cut to um but a variable dividend would be on top of that. They say, okay, we're going to have a quarterly dividend of five cents, but also because this, this quarter was really good, we're going to have a variable dividend of another 10 cents a share. And that goes to every common shareholder. And the reason why oil and gas is obviously considering this is why? Well, they're trying to attract long-term investors into the stocks because people who day trade oil and gas stocks don't make these guys money. What makes and what helps someone specifically like Scott Sheffield over at Pioneer is when they get a hedge fund who says, oh, we can now get a variable dividend? Well, I might plop $10 million and hold this for three years here. I might, like, you know, they, they, you know, an investment firm, like 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 the one that was on the, I'm not, you know, like Ross Hanley, who was on the panel yesterday, they might say, well, boom, I'm going to plop $15 million and just sit it here. I mean, that that's what helps these companies. And, you know, Devin, it was kind of funny, they're also a company that said they were going to plan to do it. I, I I, I doubt they'll be around to actually pay out. I wonder if they'll be named Devin by the time they start paying a variable dividend, but we'll find out. Um, but Pioneer came out and said 2022, that's when they're going to consider it. So um, you've still got a couple years. I mean, really, when you look at at, at, at energy dividends, it's pretty interesting. I mean, there's a, there's a, there, there's a cross-section of companies that that pay a dividend and then there's a, a big chunk of companies that don't i mean most notably companies like um parsley energy takes all of their cash flow dives it back into growth 
Um, I mean, kind of give you an idea of some of the companies that don't pay. Let's just run down the list. I'll give you an idea of the companies that don't pay a dividend in oil and gas. We're about 50-50. Our friends at Lone Star don't. Um, Zion Oil and Gas don't. Friends at Callan don't do that. Comstock, they'll be presenting at the Oil and Gas Conference. They're not doing that. Matador Resources do not. Ring Energy, but they'll be at the conference. Earthstone Energy, got to love their webs. They don't pay a dividend. Goodrich Petroleum, we love those guys. Don't pay a dividend. Intero Resources, what are you doing? Strong natural gas. They don't pay a dividend. Northern oil gas, don't pay a dividend. Bonanza Creek, love me some Bonanza Creek. They don't even pay a dividend. I'm invested in them. They don't even, and why? Because it's a cash cow owning them. Penn Virginia Corp, they don't own it. They don't pay you out a dividend. Baytex, they don't pay you a dividend. But give me company, here's companies that do pay a dividend. We'll give you an idea of companies that do pay a dividend here. Oxy, yeah. they'll give you a dividend, but it's not great. Uh, Baytex is presenting at the conference. They are. So that just gives you an idea. Murphy's going to give you a dividend. Apache will give you a dividend. Diamondback will give you a dividend. Concho will give you a dividend. Noble Energy will give you a dividend. Sanchez give you a dividend. Well, it's not Sanchez. Sanchez Midstreet will give you a dividend. I don't know if I... What's their new one? Mesquite? Yeah, it's Mesquite. Yeah, they'll probably get in on that dividend while it's hot, I guess. Ovitten? They'll pay you a dividend. Not for long. Range Resources? They'll give you a nice dividend. Geopark will give you a dividend. QEP will give you a dividend. So that just gives you kind of an idea of the split between dividend versus non-dividend, and then, and it really just comes down to what the comp, what what your you know what the individual management team decides. Do they want to take spare cash and give it back to shareholders because that is an attractive offer. I mean, think about it. I if if you're a passive investor, this is what I always tell my friends. You know, hey, Mike, I want to park my money somewhere. Well, you you can go put it in mutual funds, but that's not that fun. I always tell them, go buy SPY ETFs and just hold them long-term. Stock market will always go up in a 10-year time frame. You're not going to lose money over a 10-year time frame of the stock market. So if you just want to park money somewhere, go buy SPY ETFs. We don't give investment advice on this show, though. Remember, this is just for entertainment purposes. But sometimes I say that. If you want to go park money somewhere why and you want to put it in a stock, well, I would recommend finding one that has a dividend. Why not? If you're just going to leave it there, you at least get paid on those shares. It may not be that much. You may only own 10,000 shares. The dividend's, you know, five cents. Still, hey, that's, you know, 500 bucks. Why not? Take the money. Take the money and run. You might as well. So there is a there is a um, incentive to offering a dividend. But there's also incentive not to offer a dividend. And fiscal responsibility in terms of, okay, we don't necessarily have the capital right now to continue to grow the company and pay out a dividend. So there's a balance. And I think when you get into the the reasons why a company would and wouldn't do a dividend, I think I think it's too broad ranging. I don't think you can like kind of circle it all up into one basket. I would say it just comes down to whatever that management team feels is best to do with the cash. And, and that's what you should look into. Figure out is, is the company that you're, if you want to long-term invest in oil and gas, is the company you're looking at, are they committed to a dividend? Is that something you're interested in? Do you even care about a dividend? Michael, I want your opinion on uh, a lot of the, the oil and gas companies are trying to compete with the generalists or actually try to go against healthcare or any of the others. Do you think the uh, dividend will help in that regard? Oh, it always will. Because, I mean, because, I mean, what... Well, these larger companies, that what, what Diamondback Energy wants is not the retail investor to buy them. They could care less if me and you think they're sweet. What they want is they want the... And not really the hedge funds. They want the mutual funds. They want the they want the the, the, the people who manage the retirement accounts or the mutual funds to park fifteen percent of their portfolio long term in their stock. 
because it's going to first take a while for a company to unwind. I mean, you want to talk about you're buying, you buy 10 million shares. You know how long it takes you to unwind your books? That takes, no, I'm telling you, like if you, you actually buy a hedge fund, you, you, you have enough capital to go and buy 10 million shares of a company. Do you know how long it's going to take you to unwind your books and sell those shares? You have to find somebody to buy those shares when you, or to, to buy those shares when you want to sell them. No, I mean, you laugh, but it, it can be a huge predicament that companies get themselves in. And they and that's why a lot of co- when you when hedge funds and, and I, I say hedge funds, but when large institutions park their money somewhere, one of the biggest things they care about is liquidity. How easily can I get in and out of this position? Because if you're stuck, if, if you can get stuck in a position that goes coronavirus, we get locked down again. Boom. You want to make sure you're lick. There's enough liquidity or enough sellers on or enough buyers on the other side of your equation to maintain that. So. The dividend will always the dividend will attract those investors because if you if you're an institution, if you, if you pay me to manage your money, I will probably write into my contract that I get a cut of your dividends. You'll probably only get seventy percent of the dividends. You know what? On top of my fees, and the, you know, and and it, that's a negotiation between whoever them and manage money. So. These head, you know, these large institutions, yeah, they're getting a cut of all these dividends. So why would I, I, I would, you know, if I'm going to get the exact same returns between SM and Lone Star, exact same return on investment in terms of what their stock price is going to do, but SM's going to at least give me ten cents a share. Uh, Lone Star's just likes to reinvest. Well, I'm going to go with SM, or if, if in that sort of mindset. Now there are other ways not to, and that's why you see a lot more hedge funds in non-dividend stocks and large institutions in in dividends if you kind of look at the breakdown of where large institutions like well just it's sort of because of the mechanics of how it works a hedge fund would love to go in and just start buying up as much lone star stock because eventually they could just own the own the company if they wanted to you know what i mean i'm just picking on lone star because they're they when i do my sort they're the first company that comes up under no dividend so I'm i'm just picking on them this is not has nothing to do with them but um did I answer your question? Oh, absolutely. Um, good answer. Okay, so yeah, you know, I, I, that's you know, as you look back on earning, as I look back on earnings, that's that's kind of the main thing I say. I mean, I don't want to dive back into and read you all the the different earnings numbers. There's no need to. Um, you, you can go listen to the individual closing bells. It's I've got four pages right here. I've just got pages on pages of earnings calls. I don't really care. You can go take a look at the individual ones. Um, really kind of the only other thing we need to do today is we got to hold Fieldwood, Fieldwood Energy's funeral. So quick moment of silence. All right, that was it. Guys, two times in two, uh, this is the second bankruptcy in two years. I mean, this is almost becoming too easy for us. Uh, $1.8 billion in debt. They were able to uh, um, get $1.2 of that wiped away. Um, and they have a current run rate of about 100 to 150 million per year, which actually isn't that bad. So you kind of wonder what's going on. Um, could you know? I haven't you know? They're a private company, um, so um, they're an independent EMP that's private. So can't really take a look at their books per se. So it'd be very interesting to see what they're doing on derivatives trading. How are they? You know, there's got to there's something there's something spicy going on here that uh, uh, I'm not sure about. So uh, but. It is interesting. We'll see what they come back at. Definitely coming back under a new name. If they come back as Fieldwood Energy for round three, that should be good. Well, you know, you never want to uh, let a good uh, crisis uh, go to waste. And it's a, 
I think we're seeing a trend in using the quarter to write things down. Do you think that's right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. of course, of course. And I, oh, I should have. Oh, yes, here we go. I saw this on an earnings call, Stu, just for you. I saw this. I meant to flag this for you. I saw COVID-adjusted EBITDAX. I saw COVID-adjusted EBITDAX. It was on Apaches. I saw it buried in their um, um, non-GAAP filing in like page six. I saw COVID-adjusted EBITDAX. I was like, oh, this is good. This is good. It's going to be our favorite non-GAAP standard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And along that note, just another idea, guys. We're not going to go through the example, but first line. I love this, Stu. EOG Resources today reports a second quarter net loss of $909 million, or about negative $1.57 a share. But get this. Adjusted non-GAAP net loss, $131 million. Nice. So there's $800 million. Just whoop. Where'd that go? Be interested to figure out. Just gone. It's, it's easy. It's just bada bing, bada boom, gone. But uh, I'd be interested to actually dive into it. I'm sure there's something. And, and, but, yep, first, second line, as a result of COVID-19's impact on demand, I wonder if I can dig deep enough we'll find. But, no, I, I promise you I saw COVID-adjusted EBITDAX. That's crazy, Michael. I'm glad you saw that. <laughs> but I think that's everything about earnings, um, and that's really all that happened this week. I mean, there's probably some other stories here and there, but. Go, just go look at oilandgas360.com. All of the stories are there. You can find a lot of the press releases, which um, are really good to kind of dive into some of this more information. Um, Stu, what do you have in the international news desk this morning? It, it's been a crazy uh, week in the international uh, news desk. And this morning we had Superior Drilling Products uh, drop out their second quarter uh, earnings. Superior uh, Drilling Products uh, makes actually tools uh, for the well. They have presented at Intercom before, and they are up 60% internationally in supplying these uh, very, very good tools. So that goes back to what you and I have been talking about all week is there is a heck of a lot more uh, focus on international, and that's just one of them. Um, Another article came out uh, this morning, actually, that you and I have really talked about pandemic uh, to cut global gas and LNG demand by 4% in 2020. I'm still bullish on uh, natural gas. Uh, I don't know. I'm still thinking it's going to go up on that. But um, the big thing is still the Mediterranean. They have all been beating each other up over all the years, and it is still getting heated up. So, unbelievable. Yeah, no, it'll be. Uh, it was. It was. It was. It was a wild international international for us. And the, our hearts and prayers go out for the poor folks in uh, Beirut and Lebanon. Oh yeah. It's just we give them a, 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 as whatever we can do for a shout out. The Red Cross is asking for donations and as giving Americans, it's not a bad thing to do. No, I, I, it is. And those guys are going to get hit really hard. Who, who leaves 2000 pounds of ammonium next to the, the food sources beyond me? You know, I was in Oklahoma when the bombing occurred and then participated in the run to remember for years. 
uh, on the marathon and wow. uh, that building that was left standing in Lebanon from the air kind of looked like the borough building and uh, it's horrible yeah and 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 that's when we kind of look at the levels for, for, for oil and gas this week, guys. Is, is always this segment is sponsored by Sansil Capital Group. These guys do insanely good research. Provide all the levels from the energy consumption. Call them, 949-561-1818, sandstonecg.com. Oil saw a huge spike all the way up to, you know, 4350 was the top for the week because of that, you know, explosion. I mean, anytime you have a susp- – whether or not, I mean, it, 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 I, 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 we're not saying this is the case. That, uh, it, the moment you – anytime you have that type of explosion – the markets suspect terrorism until proven otherwise. And I don't think that's the case in this scenario, but that's what the market is reacting towards um, right then. So, I mean, you saw the moment that explosion hit, oil was currently trading at 40.24. By the time kind of the news fallout hit, oil settled at 41.57 and then continued to rise that next day all the way up to 43.50. We've had a little bit of a of a day and a half depression since some of the news fallout. Clearly, I, you know, I think it's come out and it's not... We don't think it's terrorism. Um, again, always open to new information, but uh, I think the markets are sort of reacting. I mean, the big thing is on the natural gas side. We don't really cover the levels for natural gas, guys, but holy smokes. If you, if you want a kind of a little insight to how natural gas is traded, one, it's seasonal. Two, it's all weather. It's the, the hotter it is, the more natural gas people are going to need to cool their homes. The cool, or, uh, uh, yeah. Um, and it's the, the, the more AC people, the more electricity, all that jazz. So, Generally, in, in the summer um, and hotter weather brings higher natural gas prices. So guess what? On Monday, um, one of the, 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 the largest weather forecasters is really updated, and who a lot of these natural gas traders fall, uh, updated their forecast for the fall. It's about to be one toasty fall. Uh, natural gas was trading, Stu, you'll love this. It was trading $1.84, or excuse me, closed at $1.80 even. Friday afternoon, report gets dropped the weekend when natural gas opens and the pit opens Sunday afternoon. It go, it rises all the way up to $2.10. And this week currently has risen now. We're currently trading about $1.22. Market is open currently. So, whoo, natural gas with some big movers. It's why, guys, if, if you're trading natural gas as a retail, don't. Because you don't have... You, you you're not gonna know you you don't have these weather models you don't know what's going i mean you do but you don't so didn't, didn't chenier have some pretty good numbers chenier came out and had some some good numbers i mean i don't think that's affecting the price of natural gas futures um that's well, not the it's not but i was just saying sorry i mean i know they're not it was just an observation no 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 chenier did have some really good i mean that was natural gas natural gas infrastructure midstream you you, you look good um but yeah, Natty Gas had itself a week, so that's why you know when you're looking at 222 natural gas, had itself a day on Monday. Um, when we look at just crude oil for the levels, I mean, like I said, the Beirut situation definitely shifted everything upwards. Our levels actually held up pretty well. The 3973 uh, held up really well. Big support level that we had at 4023 held up perfectly. 4136 was actually the is currently where it hit off the. Is it, this morning it actually hit off that support level, bounced up to 4180, 4187. Um, probably Ford, I would say 4250 and then 4350 are probably the next two levels on the upside. There's sort of a give back. There was a huge run up to 4350, so there's a pretty large swing between 4250 and 4350. So if you're looking to get in, be careful around that level. It could be vacuumed one way or the other. Look at the weekly, uh, the DOE crude inventory numbers. Seven and a, uh, you know, that second bump. So when we talked about, um, you know, Stu, it went from, 
you know, we went all the way up to 41 uh, 50 from four, you know, it's about a dollar jump off the Beirut explosion. Next dollar jump was off the API, off some really good API stuff. API came out and was expecting a really huge draw. EIA inventory actually dropped then on Wednesday. Not quite as big, only about seven and a half million barrels from the uh, our decrease in total crude uh, crude oil inventory. So we're sitting at about 518 million barrels, which is only about 16% above the five year average, which is pretty good. Uh, Gasoline inventories increases has kind of everybody's I think taking the coronavirus a little more seriously, starting to starting to kind of throttle down a little bit. Uh, gas price rose a little bit, um, two dollars and seventeen cents. Man, I wish I was seeing those prices here. Um, distillate fuel inventories increased by one point six, about twenty seven percent above their five year average. Product supplied jet fuel product supplies. I mean, no one's flying down forty percent. Not good. But yeah, those are the crude inventory numbers. So I mean, I mean, oil was you know it was, it was a wild week. It was a news-driven week. You know, the two biggest events that happened, like I said, was was the, was the EIA and the, and the API expecting some crude inventory draws, which happened, and then obviously the Beirut explosion is going to give going to give us some pressure upward. But you know, we'll we'll take a look this week and come back with you Monday to kind of give you uh, my take on where I think uh, oil price will go. Stu, you got anything else we got to cover this week? Um, hall pass this afternoon, man. Yeah, this is step one of a two-step process. So, guys, um, go ahead. You know, we're going to go ahead and let you get out of here, get back to work. Thank you for checking out the 360 Digital Closing Bell. We'll see you guys this afternoon for the digital ticker and to award the hall pass. Yeah. <laughs>